This is the Sports Report with AJ Harrison, episode 5 for Tuesday, October 26, 2010. The Sports Report is brought to you by The Times Delphic. Follow Drake Athletics, published every Monday and Thursday, and online at timesdelphic.com. And by 94 and the Dog, broadcasting football, volleyball, and basketball games live to the campus community. our first night now over in the Olmstead Pomerantz studio. So you guys like it over here? I do, and I, I do believe the sun has set on this on this fine Tuesday evening, but yeah. definitely a lot more space and nicer studio. It's a little colder and a little windy today, but uh, I'm glad that I don't have to share a mic with Ryan. It's kind of nice when we're fighting. I'm sure we can both get our points in now. No, well, yeah, but now I probably won't get to talk as much. But anyways, I'm sure you will. <clears throat> welcome to Sports Report tonight. Have a jam-packed show. We'll be discussing college football, major league playoffs. Got it. Now we have two teams in the World Series. We'll discuss the NFL, little fantasy football news, and we'll wrap up discussing some basketball as I see the Miami Heat are losing right now by 15 at half. One thing, though. I don't think the Heat will really gel until, I'd say maybe the midpoint season, but watch out for them when they gel. But opening up our show this week, what a great game at the famous, historic Kinnick Stadium. Ryan, do you want to tell us what happened at Kinnick this weekend? What did happen? I don't remember. Well, the Wisconsin Badgers came into Kinnick Stadium, and they defeated your Iowa Hawkeyes and Porterfield's Iowa Hawkeyes. And, yeah, it was a very close game. 31-30, to 30, I believe, was the final. Came down to a, basically a blocked extra point. And, yeah, I figured, you know, as an Iowa Hawkeye fan, you know, I'll be a nice Badger fan here. I'll let you, you know, give your analysis of the game. Uh, I, sp- I suppose it's coming back to me now on, on what happened. You know, when you when you uh, remind me of that blocked PAT, that really struck a chord with me. And because this is the third, I believe, missed PAT Iowa this year. You know, one was blocked in Air- against Arizona. That was also crucial. I felt that was the biggest part of the game. And that game, this one, obviously, that was the biggest part of the point. One point difference in loss to Wisconsin. We had them. We had the Badgers. So many opportunities just to close the door and seal up the victory, but we just let them come back and come back and come back. And Sanzi couldn't do anything on the final drive. It looked like he just needed about 20 more yards, and he decided to dump. He got sacked, and ugh. It was. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I remember Ryan just using the analogy when I got home that uh, why are the simplest things so difficult? The simplest routine. What? So difficult. So you're talking about the PAT being blocked. That was a great play by number 99, J.J. Watt. And, you know, honestly, horrible blocking by Iowa. And, yeah. No, extra points are not a result of good defense. They are so automatic. The offense the offense, and extra point team has to screw up in order for the defense to be successful. But, That's on Iowa. Okay. But what do you expect? You What? You have a freshman walk-on kicker, right? Yeah, usually those work out for Iowa. You know, Kirk Friends, that's his speciality, freshman walk-ons. He's been doing this for, you know, I'm sure this kicker's been doing this for years. He's should have figured it out by now. I, I'll agree with you on that, but, I mean, the one thing, 
Okay, I'll say it. Game was very even, but I mean, you look at it. I mean, Wisconsin kind of shot themselves in the foot too. I remember that Scott Tolzien interception he had that Iowa was able to get three points out of that, and that was kind of the that field goal kind of made it. You know, the point that the extra point would actually matter. And I mean, I can't believe Tolzien threw that ball there. I mean, he telegraphed that the whole way. But I mean, looking at that game. The Badgers' best receiver, Nick Toon, out. Their best tight end, Lance Kendricks, out. Probably their second best best running back, James White, out. <clears throat> Still come find a way to come out with the W, though. That's determination. Great coaching by Brett Bielma, which almost kind of kills me to say. And just, you know, great job, Monty Ball, just getting that game-winning touchdown. And... Of course, Philip Welch hitting the game-winning extra point. Maybe, uh, maybe Bielema's tattoo on his leg has a little something to do with uh, a little victory over the, the Hawkeyes this weekend. Um, I don't know. John Clay looked like he was just kind of unstoppable in the game. He ran for 91 yards and two scores. Um, and Monty Ball scored the game winner with just a minute left. It just, you know, that's a that's a tough loss for Iowa at home, and they're going to have a t- tough game coming up this week. Um, I'm not sure who Wisconsin plays off the top they of my head. They're on a bye. They're a well-deserved bye. bye. So, yeah, they, they've had a tough stretch, so this is this is a well-deserved rest for them. But moving on, surprisingly, other college football games happened this weekend. A fantastic one, Auburn versus LSU. Auburn came out with the victory, and now Cam Newton has kind of elevated himself <laughs> as the leader for the Heisman race, I guess, what are your guys' thoughts on that Auburn-LSU game? I believe it was a matchup that pitted the number four team in the nation versus the number six. I had the luxury of watching the Iowa game on one TV and right next to another TV with LSU-Auburn on. Ooh. And, and you know, I, I, it was really hard to, to not pay attention to the Iowa game, but once in a while... You know, I kind of flip, I just glance over and I'm like, oh, Cam Newton first down. Uh, Cam Newton just scored, guys. And uh, oh, Cam Newton just did completed a 20 yard pass. And they're like, and everyone's like, oh, no one cares because they're all, you know, interested in the Iowa and Wisconsin game. But at the glimpses that I saw, it was all Cam Newton. He was sticking out. You know, without without Cam Newton, Auburn would be nothing. He's everything they have, and that's the definition of a Heisman to me. Oh it's, yeah, he is. He's a uh... He's 90 for 138 on the season in pass attempts. He's got over 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns. Along with that, he's their leading rusher. He has over 1,000 yards on 157 carries. He's averaging almost 7 yards per carry with 14 touchdowns. He is, he's put this team on his back, and he's just carrying them. And correct me if I'm wrong, Cam Newton started off his career at Florida, right? He was Tim Tebow's backup. And then he went to junior college for a year. He went to a JUCO because he wanted to transfer because he didn't think he'd get any playing time. And then uh, now he's found a home um, in this Auburn offense. And I'm sure a lot of (laughs) Iowa people are just kind of wondering, Gene Chizik, Auburn's coach, former Iowa State head coach, I guess they're probably a little shocked because I know um, when – Chiswick left Iowa State. I think he only had maybe four wins during his time as Cyclones coach, but I mean, now his team's undefeated at the moment. Looking like a pretty good move for the Tigers. But another great game Nebraska versus Oklahoma State. I know, Porterfield, you have. You're kind of an OK State fan, right? Yep, it was on, I was on the college list, so I looked at him. Um, the problem with Oklahoma State in that game, it was just their defense is just not good. 
Um, I mean, they did everything really they wanted to offensively. They got... They scored 41 points on Nebraska, I believe, but, I mean, they just couldn't stop Taylor Martinez and that Nebraska offense, and really just, and Nebraska just kind of took it, you know, went down there and stuck it to them. It definitely wasn't enough on Oklahoma State's part. you got to uh, look at Blackman, the wide receiver for Oklahoma State. He's up there and you know, the Heisman Tuck. I'd put him as my number two with 62 receptions, 1,100 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Yeah, he's having a phenomenal year, and he's actually on pace right now because he's averaging like 159 yards a game. He's actually on pace to uh, break Des Bryant's um, kind of like school records down there that he was set, like single season receiving uh, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. And Blackman was also effective against the Nebraska defense, catching five passes for 157 yards and two touchdowns. That does include an 80-yard touchdown pass as well. Yeah, they, uh, Oklahoma State does a great job moving him around in that offensive scheme, and so he's not just like on the outside getting double teamed constantly. And even though, even when they move him around, he's still double teamed, but he's finding a way to get open. I think I think he's definitely got to be in that Heisman conversation. Another game with Big 12 implications. We talked about Iowa State a little earlier. They came out and defeated the Texas Longhorns in Austin, Texas. I can't... I remember I hear so many um, sports people around the state saying, nobody would have thought that the mighty Iowa Hawkeyes would lose Saturday and that Iowa State would find a way to defeat the Texas Longhorns. Another team Porterfield likes. I'll let you, you know, take first stab at this one. Well, um, I watched the Mac Brown interview, and uh, he was just he was just disappointed in the way his guys played. And uh, they came off the big one in Nebraska in the previous week, and he told them, he told them every day, the entire week, at least what he said in the interview, that he said, if you guys, you guys got to focus uh, you know, every game we can lose, we're not we're not unstoppable. Um, you know, we came off Nebraska. You're on top of the world right now, but we got to hit this. You know, hit the grind and get back to it. We can't just, you know, we can't just keep we can't just keep this going. Yeah, this one was funny. I laughed. Yeah, yeah. I had you a good laugh it. about this one. Good for Iowa State. You know, you don't hear me often talking how well Iowa State's doing, and, and they're good. So, I mean, yeah, I think that Iowa State has a coach because Gene Chizik did not want to be there. Paul Rhodes does. You know, he loves those guys. You know, every all the four wins a year, he loves every one of those. Um, this is their big one. This is their Nebraska from last year. So maybe Paul Rhodes is one of those coaches that he's going to pull that one off every single year. I mean, after getting completely throttled by Oklahoma, I just, you know, they come out and they they were up like, what, 21 to 3 at one point? And I was really unsure what was going on. I was watching the game. It was, it was Mac Brown and tries. a complete lack of focus. Because all of a sudden with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, Texas is like, oh, we might lose. And then they started turning around, throwing the ball everywhere on Iowa State, you know, making plays, putting points on the board to end up getting it to 28-21 and, you know, tried to get a last-ditch effort at the end, but it was just it was not enough time. Yeah, you know, when in Nebraska, uh, you know, they face Nebraska and they get a big win in Nebraska and they're like, we're at home, you know. Let's just let's just take an easy week. It's Iowa State. You you just can't you just can't sleep on anyone. You, you got to focus. Talking about Iowa State, their next opponent is Kansas. This is what I heard from 
one of our favorite Iowa State people, Gary Wade, former professor here at Drake. Ran into him today. I'm contributing this to him. He said that the line for the Iowa State-Kansas game is like in the range of 70 points. For Iowa State, I'm assuming? Yes. Because I guess KU KU is is down to like their backup, backup quarterback. They're bad. Yeah. And they've given up in like the last three weeks, they've given up like 150 points. They're bad. Yeah. But I'm not saying something with, especially Iowa State, who we also would put in that bad category. They're not great. Iowa State has a a pretty good offense, I give them that. I I think they're very Four and four in the year. They run that, I think Austin runs that spread offense. Yeah, just about as best as he could. Um, you know, with this win, they'll be bowl eligible. That is true. And finally, the last game in the Big 12. Mizzou came out, beat Oklahoma. Great win for the Tigers. Third time in a row that the BCS, or that the number one team, I guess in OU's case, they were the BCS number one team, fell back-to-back-to-back weeks on the road. Great win for the Mizzou Tigers. I know you got that game right. I called that, yep. I was was just torn because I knew Mizzou's a good team, and I knew Oklahoma is a good team, but I felt like, you know, they were a little overrated, and I felt like they had a lot more pressure on them than the Tigers. Well, I I was kind of looking at it. We picked it last week. I looked at it. I was like... Who has Mizzou played? You know, they played like Illinois, Colorado, Texas A&M. Those would be their, out of their, like, six wins, those would be, like, the three tough opponents they've played. And, they, I mean, they'd really just kind of beat up on everybody until until this OU game. So I was like, you know, we, OU at least came out and they had been somewhat tested. And I, I thought they had some experience. I, I don't, you know, I'm not entirely sure, but it was just... Uh, OU is probably a lower road, just not quality performance out of. Out of I, I believe Auburn plays at Ole Miss this week at Mississippi. I believe mm, so. We'll, yes. we'll check that after this break, though. We're going to take a quick break here on the Sports Report. Up next, some more college football and some talk about the World Series. You have been listening to the Sports Report right here on 941 The Dog. Discuss quickly about the Drake Bulldog football win over the Davidson Wildcats. I was at the game. It was a crazy game. You had two pick sixes in that game. Also had a blocked field goal. Drake was going for the field goal, got blocked or blocked by the Wildcats. And Holder slash starting quarterback Mike Piakowski picked up that ball and took it to the house himself. So kind of just one of those plays that you usually don't see and. You also usually don't see two pick sixes in the same game. 
No, you don't see that. And Drake, that's their fifth win of the year, four and one in the in the Pioneer Conference right now. That gives them a third place. So there's Dayton, Jacksonville, or five and zero at the top of the PFL. Um, next game is at home against San Diego. One of the two final home games left, and then they go home against San Diego at Dayton, who is one of those conference leaders. And then the final game is home against Butler on November thirteenth. So it's a great time to check out your Drake Bulldogs. As next up, we're going to discuss the top twenty-five rankings as Auburn jumps Oregon. I guess. Do you guys think that Auburn should jump Oregon, you know, for that number one spot? Or, I mean, no, I don't think so. Um, Oregon puts up a lot of points on everybody. I think the fewest amount of points they've put up this year is 42. 42, 42 points against Arizona State in that conference. They just put up 60 against UCLA, you know, 43 against Washington State, 52 against Stanford. And obviously, you know, the first game they would put up 72. I think their offense is just too much. You know, maybe it's Cam Newton being the number one guy in Auburn, but the, the Oregon offense is too balanced. You know, it's interesting to see how many points they put up against USC because their defense is struggling also. But looking at the strength of schedule, I mean, Auburn's played, you know, I guess we can all kind of agree that the SEC is probably a more difficult football conference than the Pac-10 at this moment. I mean, you look at the teams that Auburn has played. They played the likes of, you know, South Carolina, Arkansas, LSU. I mean, this week, as Ryan said, they're at Ole Miss. Next week, looks like they have a somewhat easy game as they play Chattanooga. But I guess I understand why Auburn jumps Oregon, but... I feel like if Oregon can put out a dominating effort against USC and, you know, if Auburn struggles with Ole Miss, I can see Oregon, you know, re-jumping Auburn. Yeah, I'm not sure really what the like these computers statistically look for. There's, there's a long, lengthy formula that what goes into it. But uh, when you have a team that is tops and points scored and then has a, you know, a top 15 defense, I just... I mean, yeah, okay, they haven't really played anyone too tough, but, we, I mean, we see Stanford really couldn't even keep up with them, and they're the number nine team in the nation right now, and we're ranked at, what, number two at the time? or something. They were ranked way up there. And I, just, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, the Pac-10's not a, a tough conference, but I, I just think Oregon is a very good football team, and Auburn has played some tough opponents and has got the wins, and... Um, you know, Cam Newton is our guy right now, but other than that, <clears throat> I just I don't see a whole lot of things outside of Cam Newton in that Auburn team. Yeah, I get, I can agree with you on that. But moving on, gonna look at some <laughs> of the. There's a few big games this weekend. Looking ahead, Missouri at Nebraska be another tough test for the Tigers. Um. Oregon at USC, as we mentioned, and then earlier this show, we mentioned Michigan State at Iowa, critical game for the Hawks, and also pretty good quarterback battle, Stanford at Washington. I had the chance Saturday, watched a little of the Washington game. I think it was Washington-Arizona. I mean, Locker looks good, but I just feel like he doesn't have anybody around him. I don't know if you guys have had the chance to watch him, but I mean... I'm sure the players he has around him is really not helping his case right now. But um, then I think it was the Nebraska game. He just looked, I mean, bad. It was like, I think he was 
like four for twenty or something. Four for twenty just, with like six interceptions. It wasn't quite that bad, but it was it was just not a good game for him, and that really hurt him in. Um, you know, this, like, upcoming draft class, because most people, a lot of people were predicting him as the number one quarterback this year, that he, he stayed in another year, um, get a little more experience to be more NFL-ready. But then we kind of, we looked at that performance, and we were just, uh, you know, that really hurt him. Most people dropped him below Andrew Luck. It's hard because uh, the West Coast bias, or it's not really a bias that hurts him because, you know, Luck and and Locker both play on West Coast teams. It's so hard for the rest of the nation to see their games and to hear all the hype about them and to get a really good feel for both those two quarterbacks. So I, I believe, actually I don't think that game will be on ABC this weekend, so we, we probably won't be able to see them play again. It was just unfortunate to see those two talents get together. But um, we got Mizzou and Nebraska. Mizzou yeah. is one of the seven undefeated teams left. So... Um, you know, they have to – there's still a lot of undefeated teams left. You know, a lot of competition for who's going to be those final two in that BCS championship game. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough battle. Missouri needs to get every single win they can get. Yeah, they do. We see um, – I guess if you kind of look at it, we're going to assume that Boise State and most likely TCU will be kind of left standing there. But then it's kind of those – those automatic qualifying conferences, who out of them is going to remain undefeated? Is Auburn going to run the table? You know, is that a possibility for them? Uh, there's Michigan State. They've got a very tough game against Iowa this week. Uh, I was watching ESPN a couple oh, last week before the Wisconsin game, and they were saying that Iowa will lose one of the two games between Michigan State and Wisconsin, and looks like they've already lost one, so I don't know if... I don't know if that, that holds true now. Yeah, after, after Iowa, Michigan State can run the table no problem. Yeah, they can. They have nobody left. Um, Auburn has to play go to Alabama. Yeah. That's pretty much you know, a top. And then they've got that, you know, the SEC, oh, the SEC championship, championship game. game. Yes, and that'll... So that's, you know, that's another tough test for them. Uh, the Big Ten doesn't have a championship game, if I'm correct, right? Nope, and neither does the Pac-10. And Oregon... Their next tough opponent will be Arizona, and I think that's it's going to be it for them. It's not, but one of the things, if I remember correctly, Michigan State's last game, I want to say one of their last two is against Penn State. You could look, you know, Joe Pa might try rallying the troops for that one. Oregon will be in the Civil War against Oregon State. I'm sure there's nothing more that the Beavers would like to do than ruin the Duck season. But moving on quickly to the World Series, Two teams punched their tickets as the Rangers and the Giants are in the World Series this year. I mean, I know it's going to be a pretty good World Series. I just don't know how much attention it's going to get just because in Dallas, I'd say baseball is probably the third sport behind football. And, I mean, college football. And college football. And I'd even say the Mavs are pretty good, too. I mean, People in Dallas like them now, you know, Mark Cuban, what he's done down there. And San Fran, I mean, I just don't see them carrying a whole lot. But, guess what are your guys' thoughts on this World Series? Well, I see San Francisco carrying a whole lot because, you know, the Niners aren't doing too hot right now. 
I mean, they, they can. They, I think they're going to put their energy and focus into San Francisco. <laughs> They'll naturally get the home field advantage. You know, game really one's going to be in San Fran. They're going to be out there. I think in and San it's going to be pretty good weather. So you can't complain about cold weather because you got San Francisco and you got Dallas. So I think there should be a good attendance at the at the stadiums. But they are kind of you know smaller market teams. Don't get too much national media attention. I'm sure you know one of these games on a Sunday night will get pushed back on ESPN after all the NFL is over with. So I, mean, I think oh, it, sure. it will be hurt because you know the Yankees aren't playing. A Chicago or Los Angeles team isn't playing. And another thing we got to look at, we've talked about this the last couple weeks. Um, this, I feel like, you know, this series, um, we, we've saw the Rangers explode offensively um, this postseason. But really, the, the matchups that are going to be talked about a lot is the pitching matchups. Game one, Cliff Lee and Tim Lincecum. And then game two, you've got Matt Kane and CJ Wilson. Those four pitchers have just had phenomenal years. And, you know, a lot of people. They don't watch a lot of baseball during the regular season because the season's so long. It's 162 games, um, and baseball is a long game. But they, they tune in for the World Series and the playoffs, and um, you know more people will probably turn, tune in for this World Series. And they, they might, if they don't appreciate great pitching, they might get a little bored. So we, we might see we might see ratings get hurt there. But I'm really looking forward to the series. Um, the, the pitching matchups are just great, and I think it's I think it's really going to go down to the wire. I think it will go down, down down to the wire, but as you said, I just feel like I think I said this last week. People just care more about you know home runs and stuff than they do pitching. I know, I know Niedert loves you know good pitching, but I feel like the general American public will you know want to see some home runs in you know high scoring games, and I just don't think they'll see that this series. No, I, you know, I do love the nice, nice, you know, 95-mile-hour fastball right at the corner on the knees. The hitter's like, all right, that was a good pitch. I'm going to take my seat. But, you know, oh, I, just, I love it. I can't get enough of it. But, you know, chicks dig the long ball. That's the phrase. And, you know, the NFL's talking about, oh, yeah, we're getting more female attention, female audience. I don't think there's too many too many girls out there that are, you know, waiting for that big strikeout from Tim Lincecum, who is really not that good-looking of a fella. <laughs> no, I mean, he's really not. Um, I remember I remember talking to you over fall break. I was sitting at home watching the games. And just I just to watch Cliff Lee pitch and do what he's done. He's, what, 3-0 this postseason, and he's got a .35 ERA. He's played. He's played the Yankees and the Rays, two of the highest scoring teams in the nation. I, I that I'm just astounded by that. I'm impressed. That's phenomenal. I'm sure next week we'll discuss some more World Series. As hopefully it won't be over by then, if I can count correctly, it won't be. So, but we're going to take a quick break here on the Sports Report. Up next, we'll discuss some action from this past NFL weekend. You're listening to the Sports Report right here on 94.1 The Dog. Here's your 94.1 Sports Update. I'm A.J. Harrison. The Drake women's soccer team will be on the road this Thursday as they travel up to Cedar Falls to face the UNI Panthers. The Drake men's tennis team will head down to Louisville this weekend to participate in the Louisville Winter Invitational. Finally, the men and women's cross-country team will be on the road this weekend as they participate in the State Farm Missouri Valley Conference Championships in Wichita, Kansas. That's your 941 Sports Update.
Welcome back to the Sports Report right here on 941 The Dog. Have a score update from the NBA. The Celtics now only up by nine. So, looks like the Heat are trying to make a comeback, but, you know, you'll never know. So, we'll keep you posted on this game as next up we'll discuss the NFL. I just want to say something. I know I'll get a lot of crap. My San Francisco 49ers lost the Carolina Panthers. But our starting quarterback got hurt, put in David Carr. I'm not a David Carr fan, and it could be worse because your quarterback could throw four picks to the same guy in a game to set an NFL record. Enough said. Oh, yeah. but we, I, the, the 49ers, okay, the, the Redskins uh, are a good team. The Redskins are a good team, but the GM the out there has pa- to be... The Panthers are a good team. The GM out there has to be eating his words and saying, we will make the playoffs. They're bad. They're not going to make the playoffs. The Panthers, they're bad. Yeah, I, I feel like that game really shouldn't have been close. That, that 49ers defense that was so talked about, and yeah, we were all... Everyone in our fantasy league is drafted somewhere. 49ers defense. Oh, they put up 17 points. Yeah. It's, great. it's still, a great defense. Should have shut that Carolina offense down. No, they're a good fantasy defense because they sometimes score. They get a lot of sacks. They get INTs. They just can't get it done. But You know my new strategy? What? Pick up the defense against whoever is playing the Bears. <laughs> I. Yeah, it's not much. a bad idea. My strategy a couple years ago was pick up uh, whoever was playing the Chiefs. I will admit that. <laughs> But there is a few big games this weekend. Pittsburgh and Miami. Ben Roethlisberger did his part to help. I think Steelers won, right? Yep. Game-winning field goal by Jeff Reed. Roethlisberger let him down there. Kicked it away. Yeah, you know, we kind of look at it and uh, we see them. Even though... uh, Pittsburgh is the number kind of we qualify them as the number one team in the nation right now. Um, there's not really a, like a standout team that that's going to you know run the table or anything. Anyone can lose at any week, and um, you know we see this Miami team that you know, they've really come a long way from their 0 and 16 season, and you know they've come back and Chad Henney's he's coming into his own. He's being a great quarterback, um, and you know they're they're competing. Even they, they might they not, may not win every game. They're they're 500, but they're competing. You know, to take what we'd call the number one team down to the, to the wire, I think is, is the, very the quality. stat here from this game is that the Dolphins are 0 and 3 at home, and the Steelers are 3 and 0 on the road. So the Steelers are doing what you need to do to be one of the better teams to get it done on the road, and the Dolphins just you have to yeah you can't you be got, 3 0 and 3 at yeah, home. You, gotta win you can't home. have that. You got to win at home. Um, Might have something to do with that new nightclub they have down there. I don't know. Maybe distracting the players or something? It's probably a distraction. Maybe they, uh, maybe one's everyone wa- everyone's watching LeBron or something. I don't know. Um, but another pretty big game, Tennessee versus Philadelphia. I know after the game, Andy Reid, I believe, announced that Mike Vick, when he's healthy, will be back in as the Eagles starter. Seems like they just can't, you know, figure out who's going to start for him ever since McNabb left. But, guys, what are your guys' thoughts about that game? Kerry Collins looked like he had a pretty good game. I know Chris Johnson, kind of so-so, but... Well, well, Andy Reid had a good problem where he had he had Vick and Cobb, two really good quarterbacks, before really yeah, well, but I knew Cobb... Cobb had a short leash, and after one bad performance, Vic was coming right back in. Yeah, and it doesn't help that Deshaun Jackson's hurt. We saw um, last week Cobb, Cobb performed well 
um, before Deshaun got hurt, and then you know it it just didn't really work out for him. They, they kind of put him on a short release, and. Uh, you, you lose a lot to your offense when Deshaun Jackson goes out. But I, I think we need to take away that the Tennessee Titans are a legit team. They kind of picked up – they kept running where they were last season when they have uh, won eight straight to end up at 500 and almost make the playoffs. But, um, you know, we need to take into account that they are, uh, you know, a legit team. The AFC South is a, is a good conference. Next game we're going to discuss – Cleveland and New Orleans. Cleveland came out with the victory, and I know one of you two was impressed with the fake punt that they had. Oh, the fake punt was great. 68. Was as good as Brad Norton's fake punt, though. Who's Brad Norton? That was the Wisconsin punter. Oh, gosh, that sucked. I forgot about that. You just walked into that one. You know that. I hope you know. But continue. Who's Iowa's punter? Doesn't matter because he didn't he, run for a. But he is, he is a, a top NFL prospect. I mean, maybe you know him from that. Nope. Ryan Donahue. Okay. Okay. Anywho, no, this punt was better because it went for 68 yards. Yeah, this was, and, no, this was and, impressive. And he made a defender on the Saints just absolutely miss on just one juke, and it, and he was down. And it's kind of funny too because you know the backside corner, whoever caught him, was maybe about twice as fast as he was because kind of he had no shot at taking out the end zone. But you know, Jay Cutler threw four picks. Drew Brees threw four picks this weekend. How about that? Yeah, weren't all by. They weren't all incep- intercepted, though, by the same guys. But Doesn't matter. Still. Picks are picks. Picks are picks. Um, but we saw the fake punt was great because I don't know if New Orleans was in, like, a full coverage or what, but there was really no one rushing at the punt. And I think you could literally drive a semi through the hole that that line created. It was gigantic. It, he just took off. And he had a good 40 yards ahead of him. It was clear. Makes one defender miss. Almost gets the touchdown. But, I, you know, maybe... Maybe missing Reggie Bush is really hurting them. They're not really having a running game. They don't. Pierre Thomas has been out. The Saints, they just aren't what we expected to see this year. Yeah, and then it, it, this, the game was pretty well dominated by the Saints, but those mistakes by Breeze, two of those picks went for touchdowns by the same guy. So Cutler threw four to the same guy. One got returned. Breeze two threw two to the same guy. Both got returned, and that same guy was an offense. It was defensive lineman. Yeah, that. that so line I don't know which is worse, which is more embarrassing. Outstanding play to read, you know, Drew Breeze, and uh, decide I'm gonna back off a little bit. I'm gonna jump up. I'm gonna, you know, kind of swat it and catch the ball. I, I was impressed. But Oakland, how did Oakland, the Oakland Raiders, score 59 points against the Denver Broncos? I feel bad for whoever in our league did not start Darren McFadden. I think it was Shafe, to be honest, but I mean. Yeah, I had him on a bench somewhere, and I also had Kenny Brent on a bench. Ooh. And someone else, yeah, and it was just a, not a good week. And my bench had a great week, but. Uh, I'm I'm really not sure what happened out there in Denver. Maybe they took off for London a little early, started sleeping on a weird schedule. I don't know. The interesting thing is you bring up that London trip for the Broncos. I don't think they're heading out to London till, I want to say, Wednesday or Thursday. Meanwhile, San Francisco 49ers, they have to, like, right after their game on Sunday. So, but I'm just shocked that... I'm sure the Broncos and their fans would welcome them out of out of Denver and on the plane heading off to London after that performance. Oh, Jason sure Campbell ended too. up being the quarterback for Oakland there because who knows who's going to be the quarterback in Oakland these days. But it was Jason Campbell, former Redskins, you know, kind of guy that I've, I've tried to stick up for in the past. 
And one, I guess, two more storylines. Brett Favre returned to Lambeau. First time that he's gone into Lambeau as a part of an opposing team, such as the Minnesota Vikings. What? What? This is the second time he's gone in. And lost. You oh, gotta wait oh, for oh, you gotta oh, wait I'm sorry. For I'm sorry. No, I was so confused finish. when you no, said that. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Continue on. Continue on. AJ does know what he's doing. I know he knows what he's doing, but I was like, okay, okay, uh, he may sure. have messed this I'm one sure. up. He may have messed this one up. Okay. I'm pretty sure I know when Brett Favre returns to Lambeau because everything in Wisconsin, you know, stops. Stops. And you look at Lambeau and you cheer hard as heck for the Green Bay Packers, unless you're me, to, you know, cheer him on to victory over their former quarterback. That was a great game, though. I guess I was kind of upset. I had Percy Harvin on my fantasy football team. He had two touchdowns called back. Both of them were legitimate. I'm not going to lie, but still kind of frustrating, you know, seeing your guy, you know, score a touchdown and have it overturned not once but twice. But great game, though, by the Packers. Aaron Rodgers finally beats his mentor. And, you know, that could be the last time Brett Favre dons a jersey in historic Lambeau Field. It is, and I know his uh, his consecutive start streak is actually in jeopardy right now. He has two fractures in his ankle, and you know I, I was impressed with his performance to come out and he got hit early in the fourth quarter, late third quarter, somewhere around there. He came out and he finished the game and he he got him close. But you know Brett Favre, he's he's thrown ten interceptions on the season. He's just not been the same miracle performance that we saw out of Brett Favre last year. He only threw seven all of last year. Um, they've lost seven road games dating back to last season. And Jared Allen hasn't registered a sack for the fourth straight game. Maybe, I don't, I don't know what's going on, maybe a little aging defense going on there. But I, they, they couldn't really get to Aaron Rodgers because he was taking a lot of quick drops. And I know that line, they were instead they were kind of jumping up and just blocking the passes down and, instead of trying to uh, and, you know, get there and sack Rodgers. Which was effective at times, but, you know, the the defense isn't the Minnesota Vikings defense that you that used to be. I think that's kind of the deal that's been, that's been going on. I mean, they're, you know, one in opposing rushing yards. They're 11th this year, you know, and 13th in opposing passing yards when they're usually one and two in both those categories being the, the best defense in the league. You know, Brett's struggling. You know, it was. I just felt so bad for him, though, just watching him just compete so hard in that field. You know, his elbows hurt, his ribs hurt, you know, I mean, his ankle hurt. And I'm sure he's probably getting a few text messages at the same time. <laughs> you know, he's just so much going on for Brett Favre. But, man, he tried down to the very end, you know, watching him walk off that field and, and you know, getting all the high fives last time at Lambeau. And then finally when, you know, Donald Driver came up and talked to him after the game, you know, that was like – a good talk, like good 60 seconds, and then kind of see Brett get a little emotional there. You know, it it, it didn't feel like the Vikings lost. It just kind of felt like it was all Brett Favre in that game. You know, Peterson still, I mean, he's having a better year. He looks he looks better than he has in the past. Yeah, I think. 28 carries with 131 yards, one uh, touchdown. Don't see any fumbles here on the stat sheet. I, I don't know if he's fumbled yet this year. I know talking to a few Vikings fans that, you know, they're kind of shocked about how quiet AP's yards have seemed. I mean, one guy came up to me and was saying, you know, didn't seem like AP got 130 yards, but he was able to do it. Talking about this Monday night football game last night, though, if there's one team that is underperforming as much as the San Francisco 49ers, I have to go with the Dallas Cowboys at the moment, and it's not looking good in Big D. Oh, they're done. Tony Romo is out for six to eight weeks. He doesn't need surgery on that shoulder, but 
Still not a good sight in Big D. But Des Bryant looked good last night, though. Uh, oh, yeah, he looked great. Um, two touchdowns and a punt return touchdown. He, he looked phenomenal. He's got a lot of talent. I think I think the Dallas Cowboys, they need to take a step back. They came into the season with such high expectations, kind of similar to the Vikings. They came in, they were picked as one of those Super Bowl contenders. I know Ryan is shaking his head over here. A lot of, you know, a lot of people, you know, like ESPN people, they were picking him as Super Bowl contenders. Oh, no, I completely agree because last year on this show I said, watch out for the Cowboys and watch out for the Packers, one of those teams that can go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Definitely not the Cowboys. Packers are not what I quite expected, but... The Cowboys, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, good. Des Bryant looks great, but, you know, T.O.'s been the star there. You know, Romo's supposed to be good. You know, they've had, like, a bunch of stars, but, in, you know, saying someone like Jerry Jones always makes those excuses like, oh, we need one more guy. We need one more guy. I don't think you do need one more guy. I think I, I you maybe need 22 new guys. Just... just they completely just, just start over just, with the they, Cowboys. I, I don't think I don't think it's a start over and loss. I think they've got a lot of talent on the team, but I think they need to take a step back and they need to develop that talent. And Wade, the, all the players were so happy when Wade was hired as the head coach because he was a he was a players coach. Bill Parcells, he was he was a hard guy. And the next guy that's if Wade gets fired at the end of the season, Jerry Jones has never fired a coach in mid season. So if, if if unless he changes that trend, unless he makes it to the end of if he makes it to the end of the season and gets fired, um, you know the next coach that comes in there, he's he's not going to be a player's coach. He's going to be tough. He's going to develop those players, and I think we could see the Cowboys. They could be a very good I team. Don't, I think you need a player's coach in Dallas because you look at Pars, you look at you know Wade Phillips not being successful. The most successful coach in Dallas for, for a long time was Jimmy Johnson, and that guy's a player's coach. You know. He's he's all about you know making the players look good, having big stars in Dallas, being the you know the big time, you know we're here to to show off and put a bunch of points on the board, make our fans happy, get a bunch of rings, show them off to everyone else. You know those Cowboys that you know you know America's team or the people that you know didn't were Cowboys fans really hated to see and really wanted them to lose. Yeah, but I don't th- I don't think you can do that. I almost don't think you can do that today because uh, if there's so many big stars in the league, it's just. They just turn into drama queens. And with that, that will conclude our NFL coverage of the night. Up next, we're going to discuss some college basketball and some NBA. You have been listening to Sports Report right here on 941 The Dog. And with me tonight, Ryan Eard, Michael Porterfield, as just going to bring up some quick, quick, quick fantasy football. I'll give you a quick fantasy football update. You can't emphasize quick enough. Porterfield and I both lost. Tough games. Somehow the Pats ended up getting 12 extra points for me on the defensive end, but still lost to our buddy DJ up in Minnesota. And Ryan now has two wins on the year. So Two in a row. Just want to give some props out. He's really coming back. He was the yeah. uh, second highest scorer in the league. I thought he was going to take it on. Someone snuck in there and up, got ahead of him. Put up 161 points. Marcus Colson finally showed up for the first time this year. Matt Ryan did nice. Michael Turner did nice. It was great. But 
Now, moving on, just another score update from the everybody's favorite NBA game. The Boston Celtics up by 9, 73-64 over the Miami Heat with 7.22 left in this one. Later tonight, I believe the Lakers face off against the Rockets. Now, moving on to college basketball. Today was NBC Media Day down in St. Louis, and not a great day for fans of our very own Drake University. The Drake women's basketball team was picked 7th in the Missouri Valley, and the men's team was picked 8th. Good news from the men, though. I believe uh, center Seth Van Deest was honorable mention uh, to start this season, looking to see if any of the women's basketball players were honorable mention. We'll check that quickly, but I guess, do you guys think that's a little low rating for? Seth is very deserving on his individual. I know he had a great year last year. I think he's going to continue doing that. You know, such a great jump shot, such a baseline for Seth that he can use and really create separation. That's, that is kind of low for what I expected out of Drake and, you know, the talent that's coming in and everything else, but, you know, they're missing J.Y. and Templeton, two big role Two big players, a part of that offense and seniors. And then we, we did something at the True Blue. And, I mean, as they looked they looked all right, but, you know, they kind of changed some things up. It's a little boring now. It's kind of a little, little boring in, in what I saw from Drake coming out. Coming out in the true blue. Yeah, I think I think when this was done, the, you know, the media probably took in, into consideration that Drake is such a young team, and they're just, you know, they haven't had to prove themselves. So, you know, they, we got a lot of high school stars, a lot of Mr. Basketballs, but you know what? They they haven't proven themselves at this collegiate level, and hopefully they can come out and really, uh, you know, prove a lot of people wrong this year. That's that's what I'm looking forward to um, seeing out of Drake. I'm looking at some of, you know, looking back at the past few years at the rankings from the NBC men's basketball. Last year, Drake was picked eighth, I, I believe. year before that, picked fourth. The year that they went on their magical run, they were picked ninth. So, I mean, these rankings, you know, kind of help, you know, look at this, you know, what lies ahead this season. But at the same time, um, you know, strange things have happened. The top uh, team in the Missouri Valley vote, conference voted by coaches and media members, Wichita State. They got 33 first-place votes. Second place was Missouri State, and third was the UNI Panthers. Surprising, though, in fifth place, the Bradley Braves got two first-place votes, So, and also number four was Creighton. So it'll be interesting to see what this men's basketball season brings for the Drake Bulldogs, but can hear all the games, all the home games here on 94-1. I think we'll even be doing a few row games this year, so great way to check out the team. I think one thing that may can speak to, to Drake's number eight rankings, Drake improved, but I think everyone else got better also. Like So the whole con- the conference as a whole is definitely improving and uh, going to be just a, a, a better, better quality basketball as we put on the floor. As now we're going to move on to our final segment of the night, pick six. Just a look at our standings. I'm currently in the lead 16 to 10. And Mike and Ryan are tied at 15 to 11. You had a very good week last week, though. Five and one. The only game that I think you lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. <laughs> okay. We won't go there. It was picking against the Wisconsin Badgers for anybody wondering at home. But first game up on the docket. The Missouri Tigers at the Nebraska 
Cornhuskers, Ryan Nieder, take your pick. Well, these undefeated teams are just going to start falling one by one, and Nebraska's going to get this one. Um, Missouri's going to be on a high after this OU win, and they're at Nebraska, so I'm going with the Cornhuskers. I kind of thought about this one for a while. No, I want to go with Nebraska, but then I remembered. I'm just going to basically compare the Missouri Tigers to the Badgers. As you know, they beat a number one team at home, you know, tra- travel to a tough environment. I'm going to go with the upset special here. It's not an upset, really. I mean, well, they, are, they are higher ranked, it's, and it's a little different because they are an undefeated team. It's not the same. Not it would be, it would be an upset if Missouri won. Yeah, I mean, I, mm, I think that... Mm, kind of. I think it, it is. Be, wasn't Iowa favored? Yes, Iowa's favored against Wisconsin, even though Wisconsin was ranked better than them. So. Yeah, but uh, that was like two rankings. This is... I mean, this is seven to fourteen, and Missouri's undefeated. So it, it's not exactly. Missouri think, has one loss. Nebraska uh, has one loss, right? And but, that was yeah, yeah, but it's close game. It's it's going to be a close game. I think it, most people are thinking. I, just, I went compared to Wisconsin, Nebraska. I'm sorry. Anyways, I, moving on. I thought it was good. Sorry. Baylor at Texas. Porterfield, <laughs> take your pick. Oh boy. Um, um, Baylor's not ranked. They're six and two on the season. Um beating the K-State, K-State Wildcats this weekend. Well, but Mac Brown gets his boys going. They're, uh, they're in Austin. Texas gets a win. Yeah, as much as I'd like to laugh at Texas again, I think Mac Brown is not going to let it happen two weeks in a row. Texas is going to win. I will agree with you guys on that. I feel like this game will be close, but Texas will find out a way to pull out the victory. Next game, Oregon at SC, I this game's a tough one for me. Big old Oregon, though. I mean, it's going to be one of their toughest games of the year. I mean, I know USC's you know not eligible for anything this year, but I feel like they'll still come out and try you know try beating Oregon. But I feel like Oregon will come out on top. Oregon just puts up too many points, and just offense is too good. And USC's defense is not where it should be. Oregon's going to win. Yeah, USC's defense, I agree with Nier, has not been what it has been. And, I don't know, Oregon's going to put up 60-some points. That's an easy pick on Oregon. Can I put you down for that? Yeah, Oregon. 60 points? Yeah, sure. Write it, write it down there. Okay. Next game, Michigan State at Iowa. Nier, tell us why the Hawks will win. Well, Iowa's going to win because just like Mac Brown, Kirk Ferentz is one of those guys where it's not going to happen twice. He's going to have his guys ready to go. He's going to have, you know, every single game film, every single strategy on Michigan State. Michigan State's a very, very good team. Different, completely different style from Wisconsin. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to try and pick apart, you know, that, that soft zone that Iowa runs. Well, that's, that's okay. I think Iowa, you know, wants to get in that red zone. It's harder to pass, easier to run. Like, you know, Wisconsin did, you know, they gave their ball to John Clay, and that's how you kind of expose Iowa in the red zone. Really can't throw it against in the red zone. So I think Iowa's going to win here. Iowa's offense is still really, really good. So the Hawks are going to win. <laughs> am, I, am I next? You are next. Oh, boy. This is this is a tough game. Uh, Michigan State's a very good team. Um, I said earlier on the show that Iowa will lose one of the two, and they've already lost one. Um, I don't know. It's, it's still such a good Iowa defense, and they, they got beat up a little bit. John Clay ran for 91 yards and two touchdowns, but it's at Kinnick. I, I got to go with Iowa again. They better not let me down. This one's hard for me as well. 
You need this. Yeah. You need Wisconsin this. Wisconsin needs Michigan State to lose twice. Yeah, and I this will probably be one of the rare times ever. I'll be cheering for the Hawkeyes this weekend. Go Hawks. No, that just that sounds awful to say. Next game up, Denver at San Francisco. I think it's obvious that I'm going to pick my Niners in London. Where are you guys going to pick? Porterfield. Oh, boy. Oh, man, this is... Ow. These are two really bad teams. Uh, the fact that it's in London, at least... We said San Francisco was already there, right? Yes. Maybe they'll be acclimated. They won't have the jet lag. But, uh, let's go Niners. See, I'll, I'll, I'll pick this one for my uncle and my neighbor, Ben. I think the Broncos are going to realize they're going to wake up and, you know. Are they going to play Tim Tebow quarterback? <laughs> they might play Tim Tebow quarterback. That might be the best thing to do right now. I'm all for it. Go for it. Tim Tebow and the Broncos. I hope Tim Tebow doesn't play. Anyways, Pittsburgh at New Orleans. Near, take your pick. Oh, Pittsburgh is 3-0 and on the road. But the, the Saints... Saints are going to be a tough football team in Louisiana, but I don't think they have things figured out. I go with Pittsburgh. Uh, New Orleans is a loud place to play. Is uh, I don't know. They're going to be. They're still going to be cheering for those Saints. That was that's what kept them going after Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina. And oh, it's it's going to be close. But I got to go Pittsburgh. I'm going to go Pittsburgh as well. I just feel like Pittsburgh's probably one of the best teams in the league right now. And as we said. You know, Drew Brees threw, what, four picks against the Browns? I just feel like the Steelers had the opportunity of having a field day against them. Finally, our extra point tonight, game one in the World Series tomorrow. Basically, Cliff Lee versus Tim Lincecum in San Francisco. Porterfield, take your pick. Um, I'm picking first. Um, if my dad got it figured out, I'd like to give a shout-out to my grandparents. It's their 55th anniversary tonight. But on back to the pick six note. Hey, I told them I'd do it. Um, on the pick six note, um... That's a big ballpark out there in San Francisco. Really a pitcher's ballpark. I'm going Cliff Lee. I'm going Cliff Lee as well. I just feel like, you know, he's basically in his audition right now to pitch for whoever he wants to next year. But, I mean, we should, I guess we've got to bring it up. It's probably not going to be the Yankees because Yankee fans were harassing his wife. I saw in, that. In the stands. So, so he know, might go to Boston now, which may Might go to happy. Boston. Maybe the Cubs should look at him. Um, but, you know, they'll never use, be able to use his talents like he should be able to in the postseason. But, anywho, oh. um, Cliff Lee has been really nasty. Lincecum, he's kind of shown some different things. That Texas offense is really good. If he keeps the changeup down, he's great. Probably can, probably can get Lincecum. Um, Giants find ways to win. Then go with Cliff Lee. He's too good. Good pick. As thank you guys for joining us tonight. Check us out next week for the Sports Report. Have a fantastic Tuesday night.